So yeah, we are here in Los Angeles with a man who has a humongous collection of Star Wars memorabilia, and it's down in his basement. So come on, let's go take a look. When I say humongous, you'll see this uh, sign here. That's just the intro. That's just the beginning. That's now, great. This is his basement. This is not a museum. Come on, let's take a look. All this stuff, and neat stuff it is, wow. belongs to this man right here, our super collector of the day, Steve Sansweet. Steve, thanks here. for having us, man. My pleasure. This is just incredible. How much stuff you got? Well, I stopped counting at about 10,000, so I guess this is as good as mine. <laughs> I sort of consider myself a uh, uh, Skywalker Ranch South. If something happens up there, I've got at least a couple of pieces down right, there. A backup play. That's right. Sansweet has literally written a book, two of them in fact, on Star Wars collecting. This guy's got a serious Star Wars Jones. Star Wars Celebration, what's up? everywhere. Welcome to episode number 164 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And we're back. It's April. It's celebration month. <laughs> it's Celebration. <laughs> celebration month and Phantom Menace year. It's a Phantom Menace celebration with a little bit of episode nine and Mandalorian and other stuff. But really, it's it's Phantom Menace celebration part two. This is the first episode of the month. That means it's Phantom Menace year two. Phantom Menace year. Phantom Menace year. So it's it's Phantom Menace year. It's celebration month. What else could you possibly do but take it back to the Star Wars celebration that happened in, was it April of 99? I believe so, yes. Denver, Colorado, celebration one, the first celebration. We're celebrating 20 years of celebration. It's a double, it's celebration times two. Celebrate the celebration. Yeah, I think we've said before... We we couldn't go to Celebration One. We weren't we weren't ready. 
we weren't ready. Well, we kind of didn't really realize what it was, I think, until it was too late either. Like, there was this thing, like, huh, that sounds interesting, but, well, I guess there was the, was there the internet? There was, like, really slow internet. <laughs> I feel like I remember seeing stuff about it in Insider, but not thinking too much about it. Like, oh, that's cool. There's, like, a Star Wars thing going on in Denver, but not realizing the immenseness of it all until two years later when we figured out what Celebration 2 was. And then immediately regretted not finding a way to go to Celebration 1. Well, Celebration 1 is like existed in this weird, mysterious state where for all those years, you just saw the pictures of the mud and people in embarrassing 90s fashion standing in lines and (laughs) these cloudy skies and everything was intense I feel like by the time we went to Celebration 2 in Indianapolis, it was kind of just like, I don't know what happened back in 99, but <laughs> we're we're living the easy life here in Indianapolis. Yeah, it kind of adds to the mystery of it all that it was, it's the only one that was in Denver because 2 and 3 were both in Indianapolis. Yeah, it was intense and it, it is very, it was like the Wild West in the hist- in the past or something that you heard rumors and legends and saw blurry photos, but it, it never really felt like it was a real thing yet. It was still just this experiment out in the desert or something. <laughs> a bunch of test subjects out there. Let's just see how this goes. Yeah. If you're going to talk about Celebration 1, celebrating the Phantom Menace, going back to 99, one of the people you got to talk to about it is the legendary Steve Sansweet, president, CEO the man that is Rancho Obi-Wan out there in Petaluma, the legend Steve Sansweet. If you want to find out about Celebration 1, there's no better way than going right back to the source, getting info right from the tap of the incredible Steve Sansweet. Which, us talking to him about Celebration 1, like, we just got to say, it's a dream. There's a lot of podcasts that have talked to Steve Sansweet, but we have been following the Mr. Sansweet for decades, going back to when we would get pizzas, stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut, to watch him on QVC in the 90s. Right. It was it was a an honor to get to talk to him, but mostly, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, it's the guy from QVC. <laughs> in addition to all the other wonderful things that he's done over the years. But yeah, it's like, oh my gosh. It's the voice from QVC. Head of fan relations for Lucasfilm, whatever. This is the guy from the back of the concept to screen to collectible book that was wearing a knit Empire Strikes Back sweater. (laughs) It was a definite treat and and highlight of Blast Points up to this point, potentially. It was one of of our highlights. So, yeah, we we had the honor of talking to Steve Sansweet about 1999's Mysterious Celebration 1 and... um, Oh no, let's listen to some of that conversation right now. Let's let's see what that was like. Well, coincidentally, I mean it's what an amazing coincidence. Twenty years of celebration and twenty years since the Phantom Menace came out. I, I wonder if there's some little reason for that. Yeah. Hmm. Some some yeah. connection out there. Something. Yeah. Well, it actually all started in the late summer, early fall of 1998, and I was at Lucasfilm then as the head of fan relations and uh, director of content management. 
And my boss, the director of marketing at that point, came to me and said, Steve, I want to do something for the fans uh, as we go on the road to episode one. And I said, well, like what, Jim? And he said, well, some sort of event, but something that we can do all over the country. And I'm thinking, oh, that sounds interesting. And he said, how about some sort of like a fan fest that we do in five cities on the same weekend? And I said, well, that's not usually how we do conventions. <laughs> that would be a little difficult to pull off. And he, then he said, well, how about five weekends in a row? And I said, <laughs> oh, I, I don't think I don't think we can do that either. We you know, we have to get all the celebrities. Out. But actually, if we have it in one place, people will fly into it. No, really? I said, these are Star Wars fans, Jim. They'll come from all over the country. In fact, they'll come. some of them will come from all over the world. We'll get some from Europe and some from Asia. Yeah, trust me on this. So the next thing I did was to call the fan club. We had at that point, as you may remember, an official Star Wars fan club, which also ran the Star Wars Insider magazine. And that was headed uh, by a company called Fantastic Media. And in the person of the wonderful Dan Madsen, um, who was also running the Star Trek fan club and the Star Trek magazine. But Dan, Dan was a good friend, and I worked very closely with him. And his uh, editor of the magazine, John Bradley Snyder, and I called Dan and he said, well, you know, Steve, we've been thinking about that ourselves, about having some sort of event. And I said, well, let's work together and um, try to come up with something. And that's how it started um, in a very simple way. None of us realizing how much trouble we would get ourselves into. And you know, we got ourselves into a bunch of trouble um, thanks to uh, thanks to very unusual weather and um Having no idea what to expect because we had never done anything like this before. Lucasfilm really didn't do conventions. It didn't even. Uh, it took a lot of pushing to get Lucasfilm to go to uh, San Diego Comic Con International, and you know that's been a big thing for us for many years now. But um, all this was in the early days, and. Um, it was uh, it was quite a challenge to find a place. Dan said, well, you know, we have to do it. If the fan club is going to do it, and if we're going to put money into it, then it has to be someplace around here because I, I we can't run a convention in another city while we're still running the fan club and the magazine and the store and everything else out of here. And so the decision was made to have it in the Denver area. The problem was that the the Denver Convention Center was already booked for any of the dates we wanted. We wanted to do something in the run-up to um, Celebration 1, um, uh, Episode 1, sorry. It's easy to get them mixed up. <laughs> and you'll have to remember, this was before, I mean, there was, there was excitement, but this was before the first trailer dropped in November. Wow. That started the hype. No pushing from Lucasfilm, but when that trailer dropped, people got so excited. 
that we we just couldn't control the hype. Uh, it was it was like this giant monster, and every week it just seemed to get bigger and bigger. And you would say, "Well, that's that's great," but yeah, managing expectations. You know, it's, I've always believed in in promising less and delivering more. Well, in this case, a lot had seemed to have been promised um, from the trailer, and here are a couple of guys working behind the scenes, not having any idea what kind of convention or what we should do or, you know, who's going to come, are people going to come? Um, but uh, Dan and John and the companies they hired did a great job. They, they found um, an abandoned Air Force base. And there was a museum there called the Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. And it was headquartered in one of the abandoned hangars and a very nice museum still is to this day. And um, there were some other facilities there and we looked at them and they looked like um, they were left over from World War II bombing days. I mean, the, you know, rubble and not, not some of the places that Dan thought we might be able to have uh uh, stage presentations and things like that, the old gym, and it just, it, it wouldn't have worked. And so um, the company that they hired got the idea of having tents, um, giant tents. And one of the things we wanted to do was have several different things going on at the same time, just like San Diego Comic-Con has, and just like Celebration now has, we really pattern celebration after San Diego. And there are multiple events, multiple things that you can do at any one time at a celebration. Today, the, the numbers probably in the dozens of both the things that are the the panels, the, the fan stage events, the podcast events, the diorama building, visit Rancho Obi-Wan, uh, go to the store, visit the dealers. I mean, there's just so many things that you can do at any one time. And we want, we started that uh, at Celebration One. We had a room where we had a t uh, our THX division um, uh, did demonstrations. We had another room where we had uh, uh, popular culture clips of Star Wars on uh, TV over the years, and um, we had uh, uh, the archives, which uh, brought um, a full-size battle droid and costumes and lightsabers and weapons from episode one. We had all of the uh, licensees that we could get to sign up in the Air and Space Museum, and then we had the tents. So we had the uh, the two tents for the stage presentations and the main presentation stage was Anthony Daniels as the master ceremonies. And that was where the celebrities were. And then we had stage two and that's where the behind the scenes people were. And so we had some really, really great um, content. And then there was a third tent where the dealers were. And then the rains began. <laughs> <laughs> and we had 50 year rains. That's what they, the weather service called them. And so um, we were getting lots of people 
and we had no place to put them except in the tents and the tents were getting crowded and there were only, only so many seats and you can imagine it's pouring outside. Nobody wants to leave their seats. Um, and, uh, eventually the dealer's room, which of course was on dirt started to get water to a depth of an inch or two. Uh, it was, it was just a bloody mess. And I had a two way radio with me at the time. And, uh, you know, it's just like, it seemed to me like every five minutes, my boss was calling Steve, there's a leak in the right center of the tent. Number one. Steve, there's a, you know, there's water coming in. So I hope he doesn't hear this, but I turned <laughs> off the radio. <laughs> Hours later when I saw him, he said, why weren't you on the radio? I said, oh, you mean it wasn't working? Oh, I, I just thought you weren't trying to get me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was an MC at one or two of the panels. So I had to, you know, that was my, that was my excuse. Um, Anthony Daniels was a true showman and in between shows, he went outside in the rain and, and, and just talked to the crowds and, um, people were trying to get into the, the main air and space museum where we had the, the store and all the other cool stuff that was in there. But despite it all, and we had to cut off ticket sales Saturday morning because there just wasn't enough room for people. We were getting a lot of local people, and um, there just wasn't enough room. And we thought, oh, my goodness. And on top of everything, 10 days before celebration, Columbine happened. And Columbine, literally, the school was 10 miles away from the site where we had celebration. And there was a big push at Lucasfilm, the the, the president of the company at the time, um, said, oh, we can't go ahead with celebration. We, we would look awful. And Dan, to his credit, pulled in lots of chits. And we had the, uh, we had, a, they pulled me into a day long meeting where they had sort of already made up their mind that they had to cancel celebration. And I, despite my protests, um, and they got Dan on the phone and within like 10 minutes, Dan was back on the phone with the mayor of Denver saying, we really need this. This was like a day or two after Columbine. Wow. Um, and so, um, basically the president of the company left it up to my boss. You know, he sort of shifted the blame and said, it's up to, uh, okay, Jim, it's up to you to decide whether we do it or not. I'll, I'll abide by whatever you say. And, you know, let's think about it overnight and come in tomorrow. So I had to wait an entire night just fretting because what would have happened? There's no way that the airlines would have given, would have refunded people their, their airline tickets, hotels. I mean, maybe you would have gotten some hotels that would have been willing, but it would have been a bloody mess. And as it was, you know, he, Jim Ward came in the next morning and said, okay, uh, I may be making a big mistake, but we're going to have it. And things got calmer as we approached and got closer to it. We put up, uh, little kiosks uh, all over the place. And we collected uh, probably about $10,000 for the, the victims of Columbine. And, um, you know, things, things were okay on that front. 
Um, things weren't okay on the weather front, but um, I, I call it our woodstock, our our mudstock. You know, it, it was people. Despite that, people were saying, "Wow, this has been quite an experience." It's the whole thing about Star Wars fandom and the sense of community and um, what it means to meet people from other places in the country when you think you're the only Star Wars fan there is and meet people from other countries. And um, it, it just it, people people just love that opportunity to get together with fellow fans and um it, 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 celebration is a, is a great opportunity, and and we spent about uh, two weeks at the fan club headquarters putting together the programming right before um, right before the show itself. There wasn't a whole lot of advanced planning. I mean, we knew who would be there, um, although Brian Blessed never showed up because he was stuck in the uh, Arctic. He was on some sort of trip to the Arctic Circle and he could get a plane out because guess what? It was snowing. So she <laughs> otherwise everybody showed up and and Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Banks, um uh, uh, ran a band and we had Ahmed's band there. We had the uh we had the Jar Jar Jamboree and um um there were lots of things that happened, lots of good things that happened. Um, and people just remembered the good things. And so that's why we still have celebrations. So this is going on our 13th celebration, wow. which is pretty amazing. So that includes three in Europe and one in Japan. And we came up with the, the name celebration. I'm just recalling a bunch of things. Off a list of about 50 um, names. I mean, nothing sounded right. I mean, you know, it just, it was hard to, you know, after the fact, say, oh my God, it was such an obvious name. But we had things like FanFest came close. That sounds so corny now. But if it, if it had become known as Star Wars FanFest, that's what it would have been known as, but uh, became Star Wars Celebration. And I think uh, John Bradley Snyder came up with uh, Celebration, and we all said, yeah, that sounds pretty good. And then he started singing a little song, yeah, Star Wars Celebration. Da, 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 da. So it sounded like uh, we, had some, we had some radio commercials, I think, and uh, maybe a TV spot on some cable channel and... Uh, those were uh, different days 20 years ago. How things have changed in just 20 years. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, when you were standing there, you know, in the rain, did you ever stop and think that 20 years from then that there would be another celebration? Like, or were you just too busy in the moment to not even think about it? I was really, it was really a very uh, hassling experience. And until um, until the event was over and we all sat down late Sunday night at uh, an, a nearby IHOP and just sort of breathed out for the first time, I think. I don't think we took a breath for three days. And uh, Sunday, Sunday, it um, 
the the rain sort of held up or it was a lot less and there were periods of no rain. And so we were able to have our first um, collector's track. Unfortunately, the only place that we could figure out, not expecting rain, the only place we could figure out for a collector's track was on an open-air truck outside. <laughs> you can imagine in a downpour, that was not the most pleasant kind of thing for a group of collectors. And uh, But uh, we, did have, uh, we did have our first collector's track, and that has gone on to become a super popular uh, uh thing with uh, a guy named Gus Lopez running all these years. The seeds were certainly planted at Celebration One for everything that has become Celebration. It's just become on a much, much broader and grander scale. I'm curious, you were saying how much of a San Diego was an influence. Star Trek had always had such a long history. I mean, the history of Star Trek is so tied to those fan conventions especially in the 70s after the end of the the series. And Star Wars had the 10th anniversary in Los Angeles, and there was the Men Behind the Mass tour convention thing that was going on in the 90s. Did any of those kind of inform what went into the first celebration? Well, the Star Trek conventions, and I had been to a bunch of them, and I, I believe me, I'm an inveterate convention goer, and I was going to... Uh, to uh, San Diego in the starting in the eighties, um, and the first San Diego convention was in nineteen seventy, and Star Wars was there in nineteen seventy six, um, a year before the movie came out, showing slides and a guy named Charlie Lippincott who had about six or seven titles, but he was one of the key guys there in marketing and. Uh, fan relations and everything else. He went to uh, Worldcon that year with a room full of props. And so people who say you know, Star Wars came out of nowhere, uh, it may have come out of nowhere for the general public, but it, it certainly was something that uh, that Lucasfilm was really the first company to go out and do a fan approach for a movie. The Star Trek conventions came after that, but uh, Lucasfilm was there in 1976 uh, waving the flag. So um, I had some big footsteps to follow in. The Trek conventions were more about the merchandise and the autograph signers. And they had some programming, but it wasn't the kind of multiple programming you found at um, – at San Diego. And it seemed to me that, you know, a limited number of people could get into the programming. And so you, that's why I really wanted to have five, six, eight different things that could occupy someone at, at any single moment. Um, and, and then also because of the size of the facilities and not knowing how many people we might have, that became very important to me too. And so the Star Trek, Conventions I was very familiar with, but I didn't see them as as much of a model because, as I said, it was it was more about it was a commercial kind of thing, um, and it was run by a company that was licensed by Paramount. This was our fan club, and this was something we were doing really for the fans. Um, the the tenth anniversary um, uh, convention 
was really a one of um, kind of thing. And it was run by Starlog magazine. If you remember good old Starlog magazine, the science oh, fiction, yeah. yep. science fiction magazine, which started up in the seventies, um, had a heavy uh, Star Trek and Star Wars uh, content. And it was just a great magazine. And they convinced uh, Lucasfilm to do a one of convention. That was where uh, George showed up on a Sunday and um, Gene Roddenberry was there. And they sort of met, I think, for the first and only time. Um, and the Star Trek 10th, the Star Wars 10th anniversary convention had some programming and archives and there was some there was some very cool stuff there so stuff in dealers rooms that that hasn't been seen since uh, i can remember uh i i got a lot of very cool posters and um sugarless gum wrappers and i mean I, it was just amazing it was just cool from a collecting standpoint and met some really neat people, a few of whom have become lifelong friends. And we wanted to get that sort of an atmosphere continuing at Celebration. And if we, I mean, we weren't really thinking beyond that, but we had two more movies coming up. And so obviously you would think, well, if this works, then let's do it again before uh, episode two and episode three. And... Uh, Sure enough, that's what we did. And we went on to a real convention center in Indianapolis. But Celebration One really set the uh, set the parameters and also set the goals. When you were planning for Celebration One, was there something that was on the list that you really wanted to have that you weren't ultimately able to do for Celebration One? I'm trying to think of something that I desperately wanted that we couldn't do and and I mean, besides showing footage from the movie, which nobody wanted to do, nobody at Lucasfilm wanted to do, um, we showed the trailers again, and um, we had, uh, I'm trying to remember if Ray Park actually, I think Ray Park made some moves, did a little uh, martial arts exhibit on the stage, and certainly we had little little Jake Lloyd there and uh he was uh he was his rambunctious self and I uh, just having fun. He was still a kid. But I, I can't think of anything that um I, I wanted more programming but we didn't have space for more programming. So uh um we had what we had. So you mentioned that they didn't want to show footage at Celebration 1. What what do you think caused the change for Celebration 2 and 3? Because that's one of our most vivid memories of Celebration 2 and 3 is is seeing Rick McCollum show footage of the films. Yeah, well, that was Rick. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, once you get Rick involved in something, it's a wild card. And uh, God, God bless him. And he said, I'm bringing footage to show. So... You know, that's the big guys. Rick Rick talks to George and, you know, I, I, I assume he let George know what he was going to show and uh, got a buy off from uh, from marketing. But, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty exciting. And then finally getting George to uh, show up at Celebration 3, which everyone assumed would be the last celebration. 
Um, nobody really expected it to continue, except um, we had another uh, milestone coming up, which was, so that was 2005. Well, 2007 was a certain anniversary for a certain movie. Why not have another celebration? And it's funny, at two and three, people kept asking, are we going to do this again? I didn't hear that so much because I didn't get around to talking to a lot of people at Celebration One. I was much busier behind the scenes. But but at two and three, people were certainly saying, are we going to do this again? We, we And I said, do you want to do it again? And I said, yeah. So we had Celebration Four, which was the 20th anniversary, and that was... Uh, a big hit and we moved on from there. I, I loved hearing you just put into words um, something that I feel like, I don't know, maybe I've always loved about celebration, but I've taken it for granted just that there's so many panels going on all at once. And it's not even just panels, even activities and literally no matter what aspect of star Wars that you love at any given moment at celebration, there's something there for you. Right. You, know, you get that schedule and you can go over and be like, well, I want to go to this. I'm not as interested in that. And then you run into different people and everyone's celebration experience is almost different than. Right. Exactly. And, and I love that. Yeah. And that's exactly how, how I, I, I thought about it from the beginning is we, you know, everybody has, everybody has, and some people complained about that. And I said, you know, you're, you're all Jedi. You have to make a choice. There are lots of choices in Star Wars. Well, there are choices in coming to Celebration, too. You have to decide yourself what you're most interested in at the time. Do I want to hear Dave Filoni talk about, uh, um, you know, coming up with uh, the Clone Wars series? Do I want to see uh, a trailer from Clone Wars? I mean, footage from Clone Wars, which we, we previewed at one of the celebrations. It was either four or five. I can't remember. It was before anything had been seen. You just have to make those decisions as to what you want to what you want to do and what you want to see. Are you interested in learning about um, the fan costuming groups and how you make a stormtrooper costume? And um, or, or is a podcast something that you would like to start yourself or you're interested in is a podcast you listen to all the time. And, and those podcasters are having a presentation on the podcast panel stage. And well, do you want to get autographs? In the first celebration, there were no autograph celebrities because my boss just was, just did not like the idea that people sold their autographs for money. And I said, this is what conventions are all about. This is one of the this is one of the mainstays at every convention is having autograph celebrities. And he said, Well, no, we're not going to do that. But by celebration two, I convinced him that that was the way it was done. And so we had we had an autograph hall for celebrations starting with number two. And that continues today too. And of course, now we have the voiceover actors as well as the, uh, the, the actors who actually appear on screen. The, the excitement, the, you mentioned earlier, the excitement 
leading into episode one and that fueling the anticipation for celebration one, how did you take in that fan level of excitement for episode one? And and a follow-up question, do you know, we came, maybe we came close to Force Awakens, but do you ever see that level of excitement happening again? I, th- I think the level of excitement for episode one it was, w- would be hard to um, recreate, although I think that we came close with The Force Awakens because it had been years. Nobody thought there would be any more Star Wars movies. Then the surprising announcement that uh, Disney had bought Lucasfilm and that there were going to be more movies. Um, and, and that started the excitement rolling. And then, and then here we have a celebration before the force awakens. So, uh, it was, it was similar. It wasn't to the same degree, perhaps, uh, hard to measure the temperatures of the two. I experienced the celebration one, as I said, mainly behind the scenes and, uh, trying to, uh, trying to uh, put splices on uh, holes dripping on the uh, uh, tents. Uh, but uh, um, I was not willing to climb up to the top of the tent to do that. So uh, uh, it was it was more of a, a learning experience, um, but a very positive one um, for both fans and for us. So now that you're a, a veteran of celebration, when you're at – Say when you come to celebration in Chicago, if you're not at uh, Rancho Obi Wan and you have some time to just walk around, what what is your Jedi path at a celebration? Like, what do you like to go do? Well, I certainly would like to go to the Episode Nine panel, um, and I'd like to go to some of the uh, animation panels. Uh, I'd like to see some of the celebrities and stop in at some of the uh, collecting panels, which uh, are always full because uh, uh, we collectors uh, out of our own pockets come up with these amazing giveaways and everybody who goes to a collector's panel gets, gets one of the giveaways. And so there's so many collector's panels. There are like 20 during the weekend that uh, a lot of people want a full set of the giveaways. So they go practically to nothing else except the collector's panels there could be worse things to do. Um, there, I mean, they're just a lot of fun and, um, collectors put a lot of, uh, a lot of effort into it. That's something that, uh, outsiders don't understand about star Wars collectors, especially is that they're not there stabbing people in the back, trying to get the, you know, X this or Y of that. And they're, really very helpful to each other and they know who specializes in what and if something comes up and they they see it they'll let um uh, a fellow collector know about it it's it's just a it's a, another great community it's sort of a subsection of the bigger star wars community but uh, there are lots of that there are people who are mostly interested in uh, fiction there are people who really just want to see the movies uh, there are people who have now grown up on um, the TV animation, and we're all looking forward to uh, the premiere of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Um, and that's that's going to be a whole new world with uh, live-action uh, streaming Star Wars programming. Um, and I'm certain there's going to be more than 
you know, just the Mandalorian. I can't imagine what else is is coming down the pipe, but lots of stuff. If Disney has been spending hundreds of millions of dollars to build two Star Wars lands in Anaheim and Florida, you know that uh, this is something that's very important to them, too. Being able to uh, have an immersive experience like that just adds so much more to the whole phenomenon of Star Wars. Uh, I think we're we're in for some very bright years and some awesome. I'm really looking forward to uh, Episode Nine and uh, looking forward to the Mandalorian and it's just uh, some great stuff. It's 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 mind-boggling to think about the amount of Star Wars that's coming just later this year. It's crazy. It, it is. It really is. 2019, and it'll all sort of kick off at celebration. So uh, oh, oh. I think this is going to be this is going to be an amazing celebration. I mean, the fact that tickets have sold out except for Monday tickets is um, is still uh, pretty astonishing to me. It's, I I'm I when the when the first round of tickets sold out, it was just like weeks after it went on sale. I was like, wow, because I remember Celebration two and three. I would get those uh, tickets as like a Christmas present, right? You know, the the holiday before May or yeah or April when Celebrations two and three happened, and I was like, wow, that's it's going to be a doozy. Well, and the fact that it's five days now to that extra day. Didn't didn't deter people at all. <laughs> Everyone. Was. I wondered about that, and they said, "Well, it's um, it's school break. It's spring school break in Chicago, so that's why they decided to have the fifth day that Monday." It seemed it seemed pretty unusual to me too, but um, that's the reason, and yeah, sort of the the local day. Well, and they're filling all those days with stuff, so we were. <laughs> we we thought we might be able to rest on Monday, but now that that's the Phantom Menace panel and everything, so we'll, no, that's that's the day at five o'clock. We have to pack up an entire thirty by forty square foot booth, and uh, we're bringing lots of stuff, and it's it's going to be a challenge. So, um, but we always enjoy being at the celebration as Rancho Obi Wan, and it's. Uh, we call it the Rancho Obi-Wan experience. And this year we're, we have a sort of a three part experience and one of them celebrates 20 years of celebration. And you enter our booth through a hallway of celebration, the best of celebration art from all of the different shows, the artist alley, then see um, the badges and the merchandise and other things that will remind you of celebrations you've been to or, or haven't been to. And then female fandom, what people think female fandom is a fairly recent phenomenon, and we're going to show, no, it's not. It's been there all along. You just haven't paid attention to it. And we take female fandom from the very beginning to now. And then we have a big display that we call the Helmets of the Saga. And we have got um, 45 helmets uh, lined up in a beautiful display. Um, that's a real visual kick and some of the helmets are from the Vader project. So these were helmets that went out to artists all over the world who had the ability to turn them into anything. And that was followed up by the stormtrooper project from the 501st for make a wish. 
and we've got a bunch of those. And then we've got some fan-made helmets and Master Replicas and the Novos and EFX. Um, so uh, we're, we and we've got our own merchandise to sell at the Rancho Obi Wan store. So you know, there's always the merchandise. So come by and say hello. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be. I'll no, I'll be chained to the booth for most of the time. They let me they let me take a break every now and then and sort of wander, but not too far. Yeah, going to check out what's at Rancho Obi-Wan is always one of the high points of the of being at Celebration. I know we spent feels like hours just staring at all the uh I think the records you had. I think that was at the last one, all the singles of the Star Wars songs. There was yeah. in, the, in the bedroom, the bedroom display. Yeah. There was a forty-five for Chewie, the the Wookie rookie, the rookie Wookie, I think. Yeah, right. We we that display went over so well. We uh, we redid the uh, the museum here at the at Rancho Obi Wan, and now we have we've transported that bedroom into the museum. So uh, it's now a permanent exhibit here. When you go out and you, you know, if, when you get a moment, and you go out and you check out some of the dealer areas. Are you? Are there still things also that you're looking for out there? I mean, there's nothing specific that I'm looking for, but if something catches my eye, if it's especially if it's quirky or if it's a brilliant piece of fan-made art or just the artist alley with some of some of the great pieces which have been previewed, um, there's some uh, some wonderful art uh, for sale this year. Yeah, so I, I'm just looking at at all kinds of stuff that's out there and just let myself sort of melt into <laughs> I I can't melt into the crowd I should wear a stormtrooper helmet or something but uh, I get I get stopped frequently and I feel great about that so uh cool. people want to take uh take a picture or get me to sign something and I'm always happy to do that for anyone listening that it's their first celebration ever I know it's almost like a cliche question, but what what advice would you give for a first timer for celebration? Wear comfortable shoes. Make sure you have water with you. Don't forget to eat. <laughs> and really look at the schedule. Spend some time looking at the schedule when you first enter and get the booklet and and pick off some things that you absolutely want to see. And it's worth that extra 20 minutes or so that you take to sort of calm yourself before all heck breaks loose. Sort of map out what your days may be. Um, You've got five days to see it, but uh, there are some big things that you probably don't want to miss. And uh, this is a good way of, uh, of doing it. Yeah, I know we've been guilty sometimes of we've got all weekend and then... Time goes faster at Star Wars Celebration than anywhere else in, in the world, I think. Yeah. It, it does. It does. I think there's a special spell that's cast over it. <laughs> yeah, time moves fast in Star Wars heaven. For anyone that doesn't know, I'm, I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked if anyone didn't know about Rancho Obi-Wan. But for anyone that doesn't know about Rancho Obi-Wan, how can people find out more about Rancho Obi-Wan? What is Rancho Obi-Wan for, for those people that have been living under a rock? Well, Rancho Obi-Wan is home to the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, which is owned by me, Steve Sansweet. 
and uh, is in the Guinness Book of World Records. And um, we have uh, tours of Ranch Obi-Wan guided by mostly by docents. And we do tours now on Saturday mornings. And you book them in advance by going to RanchoObiWan.org. And all the information is there. And you can see uh, pictures of the museum. And there's all kinds of things on YouTube. And, and um, uh, it's just a, a place where you come and you spend two to three hours. And um, what always gets me is when I when I greet people at the end of the tour and uh, see the people who came because they had a Star Wars fan with them or a collector with them. And we want to make sure that everybody on the tour gets something out of it. And uh, I love sharing this, my collection. You know, if you just had it in boxes and in a warehouse, uh, I'd be a hoarder. <laughs> um, I, I'm a collector and I'm a sharer and, uh, it's, um, it's a fun place to come and, uh, it's sort of the, uh, if I may say the Disneyland of Star Wars merchandise. Well, that's, that we'll have links to everything for for folks in the show notes. If you want to visit and support Rancho Obi-Wan. Yeah, we also take we also take donations. We just we had we had to put a forty thousand dollar roof on last year. So oh, oh. yeah, you got to keep that stuff dry. <laughs> these these are old chicken barns. We're about an hour north of San Francisco in a beautiful town called Petaluma, which uh, at one point uh, through World War II was the uh, chicken and egg capital of the United States. And um, uh, there were 20,000 egg-laying hens in these barns um, up until the early 1970s. And now it's filled with action figures and all kinds of other goodies. (laughs) And we still have hens, but not 20,000, just about 12. Are the hens Star Wars fans? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, in closing, looking back on 20 years of Star Wars Celebration, when you, when, when you look back on everything where it started and where, where it's going to be in just a matter of weeks, what does Celebration mean to you when you think about it? Celebration is, um, and I've said it before, is the, the sense of community that uh, Star Wars fans have a home. Uh, it's a traveling home and... And it's a home that only uh, shows up every uh, every few years, or in, in some cases, it was every every year for a little while. I think it's uh, it's that warm feeling that you know when you go in there, um, you're going to meet like-minded people uh, and share some wonderful experiences and see some things you've never seen before. So I'm very proud of what we've been able to do and what Lucasfilm and Reed Pop and um, and what we started uh, in 1998 and continues uh, today. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to putting another one under our belt. I hope to see a lot of people at uh, Rancho Obi-Wan exhibit. Oh, that was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, guys, you take care. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
All right, well, there you have it. There it was. Steve Sansweet. The one and only. Seriously, go visit Rancho Obi-Wan at Celebration. If it's your first Celebration, make sure you go check it out. If you've been to Celebration before, you've probably been in there and you know the deal with the Rancho Obi-Wan experience. It's as close as you can get to going out to Petaluma and going to that amazing chicken farm out there in full Star Wars gear. It's like for a second you're walking into Steve Sansweet's brain and it's beautiful. Yeah. You think you're ready for it and then you walk over to Rancho Obi-Wan exhibit and you're in a Star Wars fever dream (laughs) and you're just hallucinating visions of all kinds of Star Wars goodness. It's the best kind of overload. Your eyeballs start to hurt because they're like darting around looking at everything in there because it's so stuffed with things. Right. Your left eyeball feels like the Death Star 1 and your right eyeball feels like the Death Star 2 and they're both ready to explode. Oh, man. Well, thank you again to Steve Sansweet for taking the time to talk to us. And yeah, check out um, check out Rancho Obi-Wan online. We'll have the links in the show notes. Yeah, consider uh, being a donor to Rancho Obi-Wan and getting all those fantastic perks that come with it. See the last of the Empire, and Kenner's there with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. I'm off to rescue R2-D2. Y-Wing fighter, you have to put it together. Batteries not included. Action figures eat so separately. Activate laser cannons. Ready, aim, on target. Luke Skywalker to base, we're coming in. Y-Wing fighter, action figures sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. So it's that time of month where we thank our fantastic Patreon Blast Points Army members out there. I th- there's just there's a brand new episode on Patri- Patreon, right? That I think is good. We hope it's good. <laughs> just came out there. It's it's a commentary for the Force Awakens panel from Celebration Anaheim because it's Celebration Month, you know, and that was a pivotal moment in history. Yeah. It's not too long ago, but long enough that a lot has changed since that panel. So it was it's fun to go back. Yeah, so that's brand new over on the Patreon for you folks to go check out. But let's give special shout outs to all those members of the Blast Points Army there on Patreon. S- starting with Darren, Matthew, and Brian. Richard, Robert, Nathan. Brittany, Ryan, and Angelo. Kevin, Terrence, Stephen. Amy, Brad, and Steve. Kit, Christian, and Jay. Steven, Connie, and Craig. Michelle, David, Neil. Jordan, Ryan, and Sean. Amy, Jay, and Tom. Patrick, Tracy, and David. Ian, Aiden, and Matthew. Brandon, Dave, and Anuj. Allison, Aaron, and Dustin. Jeremy, Jason, and Nathaniel. Ash, Marie, and Joe. John, Stephanie, and Brandon. Josh, Mario, and Jonathan. Rodney, Kathy, and Marissa. Eric, Amy, and Todd. John, Olivia, and John. Justin, Matt, and Jeff. Rob, Drac, and Mike. 
Jonathan, Adam, Katie, and Khadija. All right. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Uh, it means a lot, and it helps us out immensely with the show and allows us to do the extra episodes and make the regular episodes even better. And we're hoping for Celebration to have a bunch of Celebration bits for you Patreon subscribers. As it happens, we're going to try to keep uh, at least daily some daily updates for all you Patreon subscribers, and we'll compile a best of for everybody else sometime later in the month, right? Yeah, I think that's the plan. If we can stay alive. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if we drop dead, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again, everybody. Thank you. 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 Hi, JJ Abrams here. On behalf of the entire cast and crew of Star Wars Episode 7, thank you. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. And iTunes reviews. We say it every single week when you're done listening. If you want, head over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Write a little something, and we'll read your review in an upcoming show. And don't forget to check out BlastPointsPodcast.com. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and sign up for the Blast Point Super Chill Group. And if you want to know our minute-to-minute movements and activities at celebration make sure yeah you have us on uh, twitter and instagram and facebook that's going to be the best way to know what we're up to and what's going on the next week is going to be our big celebration pre-show we're going to be going over panels that we're gonna try to go to (laughs) yeah (laughs) nobody knows what's going on nobody (laughs) we're gonna be in the building but panels we're going to go to maybe we'll have a clearer picture by next week's celebration pre-show episode and we'll maybe we'll have some info too on uh if we do any kind of blast points get together thing i don't know what's going nobody knows what's going on with celebration that's the moral of the story and yeah less next week's episode may be a lot of of panting and wheezing and hyperventilating since we'll only be days away from uh the beginning of it all Celebration Madness is speeding our way at the speed of light. <laughs> oh, I can't even think about episode nine. It's going to start to get real. I can't. All right. Well, that's, that's next week, folks. Yeah. So thank you again, everyone. Thank you, Steve Sansweet. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you.
I hope you didn't buy any of that um, exclusive high-end merchandise I was selling. <laughs> well, no. the, 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 I had a Yoda hologram watch that I was okay. that I was very fond of. But yeah, I think we're, we're we're disappointed we never bought the the film strip suspenders and belt though. I think yeah, that's that was my we're... yeah. No, that was before I was on it, so you can't blame me for that one. But, uh, <laughs> I bought that, so I saved you the trouble. Okay, good. May the force 